Comics Quest, where we pave the road for those who wanted to get into comics but don't know where to start. I am your host, J.D. Martin, and listeners, welcome back to Morrison Quest. It's been a while, I know, things have been going weird with the show schedule-wise, and, you know, things happen. It's okay. We'll we'll be okay. We'll, we'll, We'll be okay. You know why we'll be okay, listeners? It's because today, I have someone who I honestly thought would never agree to be on this dumb little show that you, for some reason, are listening to. Uh, today, for a wonderfully weird Morrison comic, I have a wonderfully weird guest. I have the one and only writer and producer, Adam Lance Garcia. Hi, that was that was quite an intro. I'm, I, I love that Like, I didn't think he'd ever come on. Like, I say yes to everything, don't... <laughs> and I'm nobody. Like I'm like I'm the I'm the nobodyest nobody that ever nobodied. So, uh, but I appreciate the I appreciate the intro. But the weird the weird that is def- definitely. Oh boy, that's accurate. <laughs> okay, look, anybody who who decides that uh, their career, one of the one of the choices they make in their career is, I'm going to write novels based on the pulp character the Green Llama, and have them published as canon. Yeah. Uh, first of all, very weird. Yeah. Second of all, uh, th- that's that's quite quite a choice in one's profession. I mean, it was that uh, specifically. It was sort of like I, I fell into it because I was at New York Comic Con like 11, 12 years ago at this point, and I happened to run into someone, and they had a list of characters, and through a, a, a various means, like there was the Green Llama on the list, and event- and it's a long story with how it became canon. But at the same time, it was mm-hmm. like my dad collected it. I mean, that's the honest tr- truth. Like my dad had all eight comics of the original Green Llama run uh, by Spark Publications. And I knew the character, grew up with him. Uh, and I was like, oh, I could write this from a real place. I can write it from like a place that I actually care about this character because it's like a gift for my dad. Um, and I was going to do just one story, call it a day and move on. Uh, but then I came up with a novel idea which became a trilogy which i'm currently working on and then because it was successful enough that my publisher was like can you do more and they have done ask adding more projects on which is one of the reasons why the trilogy has taken it's going to take at least 10 years for it to be completed because you know they're like can you do a Sherlock holmes novel uh crossover sure uh you know all these little various things and uh you know other things that i've been working on as well on, t- on top of the green llama stuff it honestly is because it was something i knew i could write from an honest place that i couldn't with other characters so and i just fell in love with them i fell in love with the character um i've had a lot of really great amazing personal uh personal life things happen because of the green llama and it's allowed me to grow professionally as a writer in the public eye, which is not something a lot of uh, writers have the ability to do. And it's 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 a blessing and a curse. Uh, I I I love this character in a way that I didn't expect to. So, but I that's beautiful. I I love I love that idea of it being like a like a like a like a love letter to your dad in yeah. a way. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I will say I've got I've got unbound on my shelf oh, shit. over here thank you dude yeah I, I i i have it i haven't gotten to it yet because i'm really bad at reading reading novels it's okay uh, even though i'm currently currently digging through like an 800 page stephen king novel uh I, because that's that's what one does that's what, as one does yeah i mean i'm reading a 1200 page brandon sanderson novel right now so i feel you i uh no and oh, i wow yeah don't worry like i i it's interesting looking at Unbound now because it was my first novel. Like it's twenty something year old Adam writing this thing. Um, there, thing this I, I'm assuming you got the most recent version because there are two editions. Um, yeah, and the most recent edition is a is a better version of the story. There are things in it that I love. Uh, there's certain grammatical and and storytelling choices that I'm like I can't believe I got away with this. I'm not sure that actually works. <laughs> there is actually one thing. This is sort of looking forward into. Uh, Redemption, which is the third novel uh, that I'm working on right now, uh, off and on. Uh, one thing that's interesting: there's a story point that happens in Unbound that if I was a more experienced writer, I would not have done. Um, I would have not have made this choice, but I did it, and it's a choice I've made. And I gave myself, a, and I've talked to a few friends about it as well, but like I gave myself a very firm rule that if I'm going to 
make a satisfying trilogy, I have to use everything I have set up in the novels preceding it. In this, I have to use, I can't like, I can introduce new ideas, but they have to be born out of what's happened in the novels. Uh, so there's a story point in Unbound that I had, and it's going to pay off, I hope, uh, in Redemption. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's there, got to use it. So uh, it's interesting. I look back at Redemption uh, Unbound with a lot of pride. And also there's some points I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> look, you're not the only one, of course. Yeah. And this- like, I, I, I mean... I'm only 23, and I look back on, like, my writings from high school, and I'm just like, who in the hell wrote that? Right. Yeah. Who, like, who, who, like, what, why did you think you could get away with writing anything like that? That's terrible. There's also, there's also the, uh, there's the, also the inverse of that, where there are certain story elements that are coming out in Redemption that I'm just like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how I can make this work. Let me see what I've established. And I go back to uh, Unbound or uh, Crimson Circle. And I'm like, all right, what did I say here? And I left it vague enough to be like, I just, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> it's, I, I can, can figure something out and, and make it work. I can make it work. I gave, my, I gave myself an out. So there's a bit of that. But it's also, you know, so it's weird. It's like there's a bit of pride and consternation with 20-something-year-old Adam every so often. I'm just like, this is... This is the cool, fun story. Do you really have to do it that way? But okay, fun, 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 fine, whatever. But yeah, yeah. And and look, like it, it, like ten years from now, or like as you say, like Redemption probably won't come out for another ten years. Oh no, no, it, it, know, it, like, gonna, it'll come out. God, I hope it doesn't come out ten years. <laughs> uh, I, it's gonna probably come out next year. I'm I'm in the last third of it. I'm like I wrote a significant portion. I think twenty. I. I I know this. Is, we're talking about Morrison, but you you asked me, so this is, this is your fault. <laughs> we're already uh, here, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting because Redemption. I started. Uh, I would say about 2015, 2016. I took a break on it because I was asked to write uh, the Sherlock Holmes Green Llama novel uh, novella, which I I'm really proud of. Um, but then, you know, I wrote maybe a hundred pages, and I threw it all out. I just, I, it wasn't, I had everything, treat, I had a treatment lined up, lined up. I knew exactly what I was going to do. Um, and I got to the page 100 and I'm like, this isn't working. Everything I want to do, isn't, none of this is working. I have to explain too much. Threw it out. And then I was writing it and the structure wasn't working and I threw it out again. Um, so it really wasn't until like 2019 that I was, I figured out what the story was and how it was going to be told. And then 2020 happened, and that kind of, you know, uh, that was a hard year <laughs> for a, lo- a lot of us. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> uh, it, for me in uh, very specific ways, but, you know, and every everyone had a bad year. Uh, so I lost a bit of time, but over the last year or so, I've I've made significant headway in it just because it's like I finally figured it out. So, um uh, but the part of the issue is that I have a day job and I have other projects that I'm juggling, uh, some green llama related, some not. Uh, and what happens is I'm one of those writers who really can't focus on more than one project at a time. So it'll be a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks before I'm able to return to it. And that adds up after a time. So if it's 10 years uh, from now that it's not released, I'm pretty sure everyone would be very mad at me. I would be mad at me. <laughs> so it's just, it's going to be okay, a 10 year well, process. In that case. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, like in, in the next 10 years, I mean, you might even look back on redemption. You're just going like, oh, oh yeah, damn it, there's that one thing, mm-hmm. but that's, that's just how, that's just how art is. We all look back on it with, you know, either rose colored glasses or we look back on it with nostalgia. We look back on it with contempt. We look back on it with just that feeling of, damn it i could have done done it this way or could have mm-hmm. done it that way yep but we can't go back and do it unless we're george lucas and we can just you know well yeah do that thing yeah we're not getting into star wars here no, although yeah. i love i love having another star wars fan here we're not doing that <laughs> i mean look i mean i will admit like star wars is such a uh touchstone for me like i to the george lucas of it all when i had to revise had the chance to revise and bound i promised myself i wouldn't george lucas it like i i love <laughs> i was just like let me how do i touch it up in such a way that like it doesn't reshape the story um which i think a lot of the lucas stuff did so but at the same time like i like how he approaches trilogies and stuff like that's how i've approached trilogies so yeah yeah 
All I'm gonna, the last thing I'm going to say on Star Wars is that this is a pro Last Jedi podcast. Oh, good. It better be because sure. it's hang up. Yeah, right that, I mean, look, that is like, hands down my favorite Star Wars movie. It just it works on every level for me. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I, I kind of pieced together because you have a Knives Out poster there. So I kind of figured you were you weren't <laughs> you weren't. Oh, even, yeah. yeah. Ryan Johnson is my boy. Yeah. I, uh, I will say Last Jedi is one of those things where, um, I mean, I, I'll, I have friends who don't like it, but their reasonings for not liking it are like the, the co-producer of my podcast. He does, he likes it, but he has issues with it. Like he doesn't love it as much as I do. And his issues, I'm like, yeah, valid. I can see why, why he feels the way he feels. Um, but at the same time, it's like, for me, that film is just like, it's such a perfect distillation of what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. Um, exactly. Like I have, uh, my, my friends who, he just got me into podcasting at the film rescue show. Like they, they have that, they have this position of every movie can have like, like no matter how perfect you think it is, like every movie can, can like be like, have like sort of quote unquote fixes. Right. You know, and on, on any level, you know, even it can be like, well, let's just change this one thing or like take this one character out all the way down to let's rewrite the whole thing. Right. And, and make it completely different and see and see what that is and kind of an exercise in in storytelling and trying to figure out well like w- let's take this story that we don't think works and make it into something that we do think works and see what that's like right like I, I went on there and I I did a rewrite for Jupiter Ascending mm-hmm. a movie I love unabashedly no matter how much I know that it's it just doesn't work on a right. fundamental level. Right. Like it's a, it's a movie where the Wachowskis tried to fit five different storylines for five different movies into a two hour thing where it's like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we tried fixing it. I think we did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what yeah. But he, you were saying. Yeah. I was going to say like, but well, we're not here to talk about all that. We're here no. to talk about something completely different. <laughs> yes. So, uh, listeners, uh, if you haven't already read the episode description, uh, today we're talking, we're getting deeper and deeper into the, the oeuvre of, of Grand Morrison. Today we're talking their six issue miniseries, Annihilator, with art by Fraser Irving and letters by Jerry K. Fletcher. Adam, uh, this is actually a question I, I used to ask my guests, and for some reason I just kind of stopped asking my guests, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you this anyway. Uh, because this was something that I, I recommended to you. Mm-hmm. Right? I asked if you would come on for it. Uh, I like to ask you, what were your thoughts going into it? Your thoughts during your read and then your thoughts after your read? Um, going into it, I was very much, uh, like, I mean, all sort of Superman, you know, it's an easy out and say like, that's one of my favorite Superman stories. It's one of my favorite Morrison stories. So that's very much mm-hmm. the sort of expectation I have with Morrison, like JLA would like the shirt that you're wearing, you're wearing right now. I, I collect the, <laughs> that run back in the day. You know, I've always really, I've known his superhero stuff, his DC stuff. I, I ten, gen, generally tend to like his work, but I kind of, I never heard of Annihilator uh, until you recommended it. So I figured I'd give it a shot. Um, you know, I kind of went in with like, I guess like high hopes and sort of like, like general positive feelings i kind of midway was like i felt i felt in some ways that i had seen this kind of story before uh mm-hmm. and uh, we can talk about that i it, that's a bit more spoiler spoiler territory um so i won't get into why i recognize it and at the end it was fine um there's certain motifs that i that were kind of like I want to say tropey certain choices that he made that I've like I've seen all of these before and you're not really reshaping them you know uh, there's a I'm working on one story myself where I was speaking with my editor yesterday where we're leaning into the tropes because the context of the story changes how you view those tropes whereas (laughs) the tropes used in this to my mind really didn't elucidate anything new about those tropes. Um, but that was, I mean, that's sort of where I kind of came out of it, uh, at least. So that was my arc. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Uh, this is actually the first time I've had someone on the show who's just like fairly lukewarm mm. on, on the comic in a while. I uh, Last time I had this happen was uh, I had my friend Nick Wolf come on for, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the comic Batman Universe by 
Brian Bendis and Nick Darrington. I've heard of it. I've not read it yet. Yeah, we 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 had very different opinions than that one. I, you know, again, I love it because basically any comic I, I come in here with, I love it unabashedly, right. even if I don't completely understand it, <laughs> like Annihilator. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, and but Nick was a bit more lukewarm, ha- and and we 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 had a, we had a lengthy discussion on like how we kind of did we kind of pulled a film rescue on it all and, and during the episode of like what what we would change to make to make Nick think it would be it it would work work better as as an as an overall story right and uh, yeah I, I I'm not saying I I don't think we we we're gonna do that here with Annihilator but I just. Annihilator is one of those comics, uh, or it's, it's one of those stories, and I'm actually, it's funny, I'm going to get into this again n- on next week's episode uh, when I discuss Nameless. Uh, this is the type of story where it's, when I when I first read it, I didn't fully grasp what was going on mm-hmm. until the very end. And even then, I was just thinking, yeah, there's still a lot here that, it, that like, doesn't quite click in my brain not because not on, on, as a failing on morrison and irving's part but mostly just that they were speaking they were just talking speaking on levels that i just wasn't quite understanding it it to me it reminded me a lot of the first time i read or the first time i watched Mulholland drive mm-hmm. a movie that is like notorious for being very just esoteric and and difficult to understand upon your first viewing and you have to parse each part of it out to try and figure out what the overall thing is trying to say and that is definitely how i view annihilator in that way of like i don't fully understand it but there's something about it Mm -hmm. there's a vibe it has the tone and just the way everything is coming coming together that it makes me want to understand it Mm -hmm. more uh or like another example that i think is very very specific to me is the movie Cosmopolis, mm-hmm. the the David Cronenberg film. When I first watched that, I was like 16, 17, and I did not know what was going on. I was like, Robert Pattinson is a rich dude in a limo, and he and he keeps talking to people, and and people show up, and 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 he wants to get a haircut. Okay, cool. Why is there a twenty minute conversation at the end of Paul, with Paul Giamatti? I love Giamatti. Why is he here? I don't get it. Uh, so, but there was something about it. There was something that drove me to go, but there's, there's something there. I want to understand what it mm-hmm. is. And, you know, it led me on this journey of like reading the book, watching it multiple times, you know, hearing what Cronenberg had to say about the film. And that led me down this rabbit hole of like, okay, I think I kind of get it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, how do I fully know if I'm, if I fully understand it, right. you know, and that's, at the end of the day, that's just, that's just how art works. Right. And, I'm still in that stage with Annihilator. I mean, this was only my second read on this on this story, and I know I'm I know for a fact that I'm going to have to read this, you know, another two, three or four, three, maybe even four times until I fully grasp what is f- happening here. And I mm. I also like having having you here talking about this piece because this story, um, which I haven't even told the listeners what is what it's about. This story is about a Hollywood screenwriter who is tr- who like has you know like had like a hit uh or two in the past few years but has then sp- spent the past few years just wasting his money on on drugs and booze and girls and is now in a spot where he is trying to dig himself out of the hole that he's made with a new script called Annihilator and then the main character of that script appears to him in his house right. and takes him on this journey. Also, he develops an inoperable brain tumor. And, you know, it turns out that he is a he's actually like, this main character race space uh, is actually a complete scumbag and was was abusive to his uh, to his former partner. And we're going on this journey with essentially these two just wretched assholes across and, and trying, uh, trying to figure out of w- essentially like who is real. What is the nature of reality? Essentially it kind of, um, all, kind of like a, a, a cyberpunk neuromancer matrix type of type of story. Also the invisibles. Um, and like you said, like th- this is definitely something that more that not just Morrison has touched upon in their previous work, something like 
uh, The Invisibles comes to mind for me, or The Filth. Uh, but this is also something that a lot of, of stories have touched upon of, you know, taking the, uh, the idea of reality and storytelling and trying to figure out the two the the two of them by kind of pitting each other pitting the two of them against one another Mm -hmm. would you say that that tracks yeah yeah and there's also the trope of um the author meeting their own work you know i was Mm -hmm. reminded a lot of uh stephen king's cameos in the dark tower series um where he meets roland and jake and then he meets roland again uh and it was one of those things where you know i i couldn't help but compare annihilator unfavorably to the dark tower even though the dark tower is not perfect it it is it is i i think he is sort of a non-ending uh for a number of reasons but what i really liked about the way Spoilers for an like a twenty year old book at this point. Uh, like what I really liked about uh, how King portrayed himself first as an asshole because he's drunk and he's miserable and you know he's he thinks of himself as God but he's not really God he's just kind of a dick. Um, you know it's very self effacing and sort of like it is a brutal takedown of the man he used to be. Um, and then showing like you know there's when he comes in when he's an older after the accident and like this whole plot line revolves around saving Stephen King. So he, he can finish the story. Um, there's music outside, as you can tell, everyone agrees with me. Uh, but at the same time, it's like when it happens, you, you know, you see his growth as the character and why it matter, like how he changed. Um, it's also Stephen King. So you can kind of get away with it. You know, at this point you've written so many goddamn books. Like, yeah, you can, you can make the world center around yourself. Um, I don't think, and I to be clear, I don't think King did it perfectly, but I preferred mm-hmm. it to what was going on with more in this book because it felt like, you know, I I felt like I've seen all these things before. Uh, it's like, oh, here's like a like the asshole Hollywood writer who does drugs and has sex with all these people, and like he's he's all in and of himself, and you know he's abusive and he's tortured, um, and here's now he's dealing with his uh, like this storyline that's become real that's really just a metaphor for his own like toxicity and and self-destructive ways um yeah it just it felt a little like it felt almost like morrison was like i'm going to say all these big things and again i i maybe i'm missing something but if i like i'm going to say all these big things about hollywood and about writing and about uh what it means to be a writer but at the end of the day, I just don't think he said anything new. You know, I think it was very much like, um, you know, like, yeah, this is a despicable character with a despicable character. And I don't know. It's just, it, it's like, it's about him overcoming his something or I, I don't know. It, it, it's, I think your, your point is valid. And I think it's, it's uh, definitely there. But I think there was, for me, that sort of meta narrative is something we've seen before and i just don't think to sort of online point repeated or whatever i'm doing it's like i just don't think there was much in this that really changed the story or changed the way i view i'll put it this way i felt like it was like the especially the way the writer was portrayed uh race space like the way he was portrayed felt like a cliche he felt like yeah you know and and i don't think he ever overcame that cliche i never like i think there's um you know yeah he doesn't change by the end he's still like a a full-on raging asshole by the end of the story right you know he doesn't it's it's like you don't learn more you don't use like the cliche i i just felt like he didn't use the cliche and in a way to sort of elucidate something new about that cliche um you know in the way that i think he has done with other work that's fair no i i I fully get it i i fully think that's valid uh and actually when we were talking about um the idea of of morrison not uh like using the tropes to to try and essentially like turn the tropes on their head and, and tell a new type of story it reminded me um since we already mentioned him it reminded me of ryan johnson with knives out right in that with knives out 
Johnson wanted to take like use the tropes, show it, and, and and essentially like have a conversation with the audience about murder about how a murder mystery works, and say like, well, no, the tropes are here, but and I'm not going to you know just turn the tropes on their head just for you know just for the sake of it but instead use it in a way to tell just a new version of the murder mystery for you know 2019 at the yeah. time when it came out and from what it sounds like how 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 you feel about or you know correct me if i'm wrong but almost like morrison tried to do the knives out or like morrison may have set out to try and do the knives out thing but it ultimately did not work out that way at all i i think that's fair because i think like with knives out um you know what he what Johnson did was he took an advocate Christie mystery and he took a a like a like a, a whodunit but you know who did it um, like it was a, a bit of a Columbo there's a lot of different like genre pieces that he mashed together and you get to see those mm-hmm. play off each other whereas I think this you know yeah I just don't think it was you don't really see how the everything plays off each other you don't see. It'd be like it, it would be one thing if um, I'm trying to think of a good example, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think I think you're yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. It's like he with, with Knives Out, you came away with a new appreciation of the genre overall. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, this is a new way, not necessarily a new way of doing mystery, but like here's all the things you love about all these different kinds of mysteries, all in one version of it. Um, and I don't think Morrison succeeded in telling a, a a new take on the author meets his creation trope, as it were. Yeah, and and something I was actually thinking about around this time was the moment when when Ray he's you know getting closer and closer to death, and he's getting closer to the, to writing the end of the of the of the script. He says to Max Nomax his creation. Uh, where he tells him like you know this isn't you know like a gothic romance or or it's not it's not a sci-fi it's a creation myth Mm -hmm. and when space said that that immediately clicked in my head of like well that's something that morrison has done a lot right uh really ever since um you know whether or not you want to believe it or not uh morrison claims that you know he was essentially abducted by uh i found they were abducted by yeah, the, the, I heard I heard about this yesterday. I, I did not know about this. I mentioned it to you. You never heard of this. Before? I never heard about this, and I heard it t- yesterday when I, when I mentioned I was going to be on this podcast. Uh, I was told that uh, Morrison believes they were abducted by aliens, and I'm I actually have to look this up because I, I don't know this story. I didn't. I should have read about yeah, this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I highly recommend uh, their book Super Gods. Yeah. Um, just because, like, it's. It's it's kind of like it's it's like one part history of superhero comics. It's also one part, uh, you know, memoir of Morrison. You mm. know, they, they you know they do. T- it's all from their perspective. Uh, and like a little over halfway through the book, Morrison's like, okay, now here's the thing. You may or may not believe this, but I do believe this happened to me. Uh, you know, like I was abdu- I, I was I encountered fifth dimensional beings. Whether whether or not it happened or not, you know, it, it had a profound effect on me, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And, you know, I can't say whether or not it happened because, you know, like, I don't want to completely discount it. You know, there there's, you know, there's may have been something there. There may not have, uh, you know, it could it could have been just the most insane drug trip of all time. Or it could have actually been, you know, some higher dimensional being that we have no way of ever contacting again. But it did, it did the the one thing we do know for sure is that it did have a profound effect on Morrison, and mm. it, it affected them in, in a certain way that they told stories in a very different way. You know, it was that point where, like they finished uh, the Flex Mentalo comic, they continue they continued you know working on the Invisibles in JLA, and that led to a lot of the work that they would eventually do, like in the DC One Million event during JLA stuff that they would accomplish with the filth and uh and so and like all-star superman and then later with uh i feel like these two kind of almost companion pieces and just like the weirdness of them with annihilator and nameless um but 
I understand why why Annihilator probably didn't. I think it mostly has to maybe do with the fact that uh, this is also just not a story trope that I encounter that often. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, I'm not. The, you know, I, I understand that. Like, you know, let you know. Let's let's face it. You're 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 older than me. You have <laughs> encountered Quite. a lot more stories. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Just, Trust it, me. I I. I you get a certain point in your life, like, oh my god, I am actually going to be old soon. Like, I can't even like <laughs> pretend anymore that I'm like, like I go on TikTok every so often, and I'm just like, hello, fellow children, and I'm just like, no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go. Yeah, but yeah, you're, but, yeah. But, but 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 that's it. It's just that like you, you like just being around longer. You of course have seen a lot more than I have. Right. You of course have encountered so many more different stories than I have, and you've encountered more of this type of story than mm-hmm. I have. So therefore I'm going to have a different perspective on this because just because I haven't encountered this trope yeah. too much. It, it's something that I've, I've uh, felt uh, very, it's a, a good comparison is sort of like what I keep on thinking, seeing happening with like the Marvel films, the Marvel cinematic universe. Like I, Oh, for sure. I, like I really enjoyed uh, the first few runs of the films, uh, but I've recently cooled on them for a number of reasons. And part of it is because a lot of what they've been doing is like, you know, uh, oh God, I can't remember the name. It was like, I want to say like Seven Days of the Condor or Two Days of the Condor. Um, but seven Days of the Condor. Seven Days of the Condor is greatest, right? No, I'm sorry, time. Three Days. Three, three Days. days of I was wrong both times. There's all these numbers in movies yeah. and you can never remember them. <laughs> yeah, Three Days of the Condor, but Three Days of the Condor with superheroes. You know, a Black Widow is kind of like, what if the Americans had to deal with their the fallout of their you know choices? But it's Black Widow. You know, a lot of it is, um, it leans into things you've seen. If you have seen them before, they don't really seem that new. Like Wandavision is really good if you've never seen Pleasantville. Um, and for me, a Which, lot. Funny thing, I haven't, but I know that movie very well. Yeah. Just from like kind of absorbing it through osmosis oh, yeah. in a way, so I totally get it. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like so, like for a lot of cats, like this is their first exposure to these kinds of stories. So they sort of put them on this pedestal, and when you sort of like, well, actually, it 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 started over there. It, it does. It, it's an interesting conversation I keep on having uh, that I've been having. And it's, you know, there's no right or wrong way, whatever you, however you're exposed to a story is how you're exposed to a story or a trope or whatever. Mm. Um, I think the best thing anyone can do and the thing that I don't see a lot of Marvel fans doing is exploring those, uh, the origins of these storylines. And that's a, that's a whole different conversation. Um, because I think it's funny that you say that, like, cause I, like, before I ever got into Marvel movies, I was growing up, like, I grew up on, the original Star Wars trilogy, right. like on VHS, like in, you know, like I was, I was born in, I was born in '98. I was born the year of Blade, <laughs> and like the, I was born yeah. the year before the Matrix and Batman Beyond were a thing. So it's funny you say that. Like growing up on certain things, like I encountered certain uh, properties. You know, like like you mentioned, Three, Day of the, Three Days of the Condor. I saw Three Days of the Condor way before I ever saw Winter Soldier. Mm. So, like, watching Winter Soldier, I'm like, I can pick up, like, oh, yeah, like, this is, like, like like you know, this is, like, them trying to do Three Days of the Condor or All the President's Men or Parallax View. All these movies that, like, I was already familiar right. with. So, I could understand, I can understand where they come from. I can understand, you know, like, maybe why they wanted to pull from them. Uh, and whether or not they were successful, that they you know that's completely subject subjective as yep. all art is um but the fact that they even you know make that decision of like well let's pull from these things right. and like introduce you know a younger audience who like this is like the way that they are in- like for a lot of people like the mcu is the way they get into these characters like right. my weird way of getting into marvel was the mid-2000s animated marvel movies when nice. they're like, let's yeah. take the Ultimates, yeah, I remember that, but make it for kids, right? So we got Ultimate Avengers the movie. I remember that, yeah. That and I thought that was yeah. the closest we'd ever get to uh, a live action Avengers movie. I was wrong <laughs> until we get an actual live Avengers movie. I was wrong. Which you know, like that that like like you can be in there on that opening day, and I'm I'm sitting here, I'm just like, I I I this is like I've seen this before. I I, I know this yeah. before, but I'm also like 
I'm seeing this on the big screen. I'm I'm, I'm a with you know a, a large group of people. Uh, remember those? Yeah. And uh, you know, like th- th- it was a completely different experience. Therefore, it you know like ver- watching that first Avengers movie versus watching the animated Ultimate Avengers movie in my bedroom. Right was a completely different experience. Uh, whereas, you know, like reading Annihilator, but also having watched The Matrix my entire life mm-hmm. and reading other Morrison comics before this one that deal with the same tropes, it's kind of, I feel like it, it, it is kind of the same thing, Where, it, but it's it's just kind of how, like where you are in your life and how you approach these certain yeah. tropes. It's how, you exp- it's how you view them and how you are going to process them yeah and i think it's like there's nothing wrong with like stealing or uh taking inspiration or like saying like i i there's this trope that i want to and i want to play in that like that is a normal part of storytelling that's normal part of writing um you know i just think and there are some that are more successful than others like i can sort of think of um you know you mentioned the original star wars trilogy like a lot of that is obviously inspired by uh, the movie serials and uh, uh, Kurosawa and all these different elements. A better example might be Indiana Jones. Like Indiana Jones is very much like Spielberg and Luke saying, like, we want to do a movie serial, but we're going to do it our way. Um, and that yeah. was very successful compared to other folks who are like, hey, I want to make a movie serial and I'm going to do it my way and are less successful. Like a, a lot of like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. For example, um, you know, a movie the, I watched before I saw an Indiana Jones movie. Crazy. Uh, that's <laughs> blows my mind. I didn't grow up on Indiana Jones. That's fair. Thing. That's so like true. my first encounter was King of the Crystal Skull. Huh. I have, I have a weird relationship to that movie and I, uh, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but the, oh yeah, I, I, I since, I since have a very different opinion on it now having, you know, lived with the trilogy for over a decade at this yeah. point. Um, but we, uh, so yeah, it's like one of those things where, you know, I think Morrison had this idea like, oh, I, I want to try to, ex- I, and as I, and I don't know his uh, body of work as well as you do, but it sounds like something that he does revisit a lot, like this creator creation myth. Um, and mm-hmm. I think he's like, oh, I have a new take on it that I want to try. And I think that's a perfectly valid storyline. I just don't think that it, it, um, I just don't think it was as successful as some of his other writings. Um, and also I, you know, the art was very, was very good. Um, though I didn't feel it. I mean, mind you, I'm reading this on my, my iPhone because I'm, I got on a comiXology. So I, I don't, I'm not really seeing the whole page, but even then there were certain choices that I, and this goes to my own taste that were more like, this feels a little bit more, uh, avant-garde than I personally want it to be like there's certain like panel to like like certain panel to panel jumps and storylines certain like floating heads that like are showing this character uh like saying a lot of different things um so there's a couple of like moments where like you know the panel it's like he's looking over there he's looking over there and they show like a blur in between um where i you know is a little more avant-garde than uh is to my taste as a comic reader um because i kind of i don't know i i i and this is just again goes to personal taste like i like it when comic pages feel like snapshots or like uh, like each panel feels like a snapshot you know like they can create motion they can create this uh feeling of 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 a kinetic feeling um, mm-hmm. but sometimes when it gets a little more, you know, like where there's that one panel with like three, like three floating race spaces heads. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it, it felt like a little, it, it felt a little just like, uh, you're trying to say something, but I'm not sure if it's working, but yeah, I don't know. It was a little, again, that goes to my own, my own taste and it, it's less about. No, that's totally yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. Like I, and like you know, the whole point of this of me creating the show was you know I want to like kind of help new new people who aren't you know sure of where to start, like trying to figure out like where they want to begin their comics reading journey. I think Annihilator is this is this is another one of those weird ones where I was never sure of where I wanted to 
to place this right in in, in because i i have my sister show the long haul where i'm you know discussing comics that are you know either a lot like still a great first step but are very very long mm-hmm. like last man being a, a particular uh piece or something that is it's not it really, sh- you know, it, it shouldn't be someone's first step into the world. Oh, yeah. So Annihilator is one of those ones where it's like, it is an original comic, therefore I fully believe that it could be someone's first step. Mm-hmm. And I, always, I always feel that are, you know, comics that aren't based on, you know, pre- you know a, a previously created IP can be someone's first step. At the same time, this one, as you mentioned, it is a bit more avant-garde. It is a bit more, uh, for lack of a better word, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh then 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 someone might be used to um although like i i i'm always firmly i'm a firm believer in in the idea that something that is doesn't work for you can always be someone else's favorite thing absolutely and then like i and i i like you know us having this conversation i i i know you feel the same way you know the fact that you're just like this didn't work for me and you know it's like yeah it, it's like yeah it you know you know it like doesn't work for you works for me you know and, and there's probably a whole lot of people who are going to feel the same way same, feel the same way as you where it's like yeah this just didn't work for me yeah and that's fine and I, and I love the fact that we can have like this conversation like i love it for what it is and you can say yeah the the things that are there don't quite work for me and like and the fact that we can just have this you know civil conversation about about art in this way is nice i mean the thing is like you gotta like the thing that a a certain people in the fandom seem to forget is that different people are different and yeah subjective media is subjective and there are definitely like things that i can point to and like this was a poorly made movie or poorly made story or whatever but i really enjoy it for these reasons um Mm -hmm. and i think that you know that there's this it's been weird because I've had this issue with uh, the Star Wars fandom to a degree where, you know, it's very much binary. It's very much like this is the worst. This is the best. But you're not allowed to have this sort of like that was fine. That was fine. It wasn't for me. You know, I'm not yeah. not enjoying it. I'm not, you know, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just a thing that happened. And I will continue to watch it because I, I just whatever. Uh, like uh, A good example is The Bad Batch um, where – uh, I thought the show was fine. I thought it was aggressively fine, but it really spoke to some other people. And I'm not gonna, but like you know, tell them they're wrong. I'll tell you why I think it didn't work. But it, I think it's 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 healthy, and I wish it was happening more often that we could be like, hey, I really like the story, and this is why. And I, I can be like, I, I didn't love the story, but this is why. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can see it because that's the way we get better stories. That's the way we get better, become more media literate that's the way we become better writers better readers better everything because we need to understand that not everything is going to speak to us and what you know and also i think it's a good example of you know i uh i have a one of my very dear friends is my collaborator on a a few projects that i work on and he and i have very different tastes in a lot of things we have like some overlaps there's like a, if you there's a venn diagram you can build of us uh where our taste overlap um but generally speaking like when we write stories like we have completely different viewpoints on certain things and how to approach certain stories but we both understand that the other person is trying their hardest to tell the best story they can and by having those conversations about like what worked what doesn't why doesn't it work why does it work why does it work for me but doesn't it work for you it challenges us to become better writers because we understand why this thing works for us versus why it doesn't work for us. And I think that's that needs to happen more. It needs to be less of, I am right, you are wrong. It's more like, well, why do you feel this way? Why does this thing work for you so well? Why does that thing not work for you at all? You know, and um, God, it's, it's refreshing to have that kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I. I fully agree, and on and uh, I, I know we have to have a kind of a hard out right now. Uh, you you have you have things you got to do. You have your own life, uh, so. But I think that's a like that, I think that's a beautiful point to kind of end this in this conversation. Of we didn't really get into the story too much, but I th- but that's great because I think we still have you know a wonderful discussion of you know how one piece of art can say very different things to very different people. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I love that. So with that uh, being the end of this episode, uh, you listeners already know, it's time for plugs. Plugs. Adam, uh, where can people find you and what have you got going on? Uh, You can find me basically uh, on Twitter too much at Adam Lance Garcia, Instagram at Adam Lance Garcia, uh, TikTok at Adam Lance Garcia. Honestly, you just search Adam Lance Garcia anywhere. You're probably going to find my stuff. Uh, You can search me. If you like my viewpoints and storytelling, you can uh, find my writing on Amazon.com or any of your favorite uh, booksellers. Just type in Adam Lance Garcia or The Green Llama and Adam Lance Garcia. There's a few other short stories and things like that, original stuff that I've worked on. I have a, speaking of the Green Llama, I have a radio show, an audio full cast audio drama that is, uh, the first season is beginning November 9th, uh, coming from my uh, little bitty uh, production company, uh, Radio Room. It's our first licensed property. Uh, We did it completely during the pandemic. Uh, And it's a continuation of the narrative that I've been telling over the past 10 years. there's some spoilers for the end of the the trilogy, but I keep it so vague you probably won't even know what those those things are. Um, and there's a couple of other things that I'm working on that I can't really talk about just yet. Uh, but yeah, and if you uh, want to see how I talk to, this is such a weird thing, celebrities and and writers and directors, you can check out uh, Go on Vanity Fair or Wired. Your uh, that's my day job. I interview celebrities for a living. It's a dumb job. It's such a dumb job. You got to talk to Tom Hiddleston about his career. That was that was pretty cool to be. He's honest. very <laughs> he is very lovely and very handsome. Uh, it's distractingly so. Oh, uh, d- d- don't worry. I I I know. Yeah. I can t- I can. Tell. Yeah, like like a. a uh, how was that chin in real life? I, I didn't get to see in real life. It was a Zoom call. He was in 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 uh he was in oh, England. Yeah. Uh, but like I'll put it this sense. way: like I I am. I'm at least 95% straight as far as I can tell. I've, I've only I've only been with, with women. But, you know, there are some guys you're like, maybe. And Tom Hiddleston <laughs> and is like... Tom is, def- de- Tom is definitely one of them. Definitely one of those like, yeah, yeah, I could I could fall asleep in those arms. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I fully, so... I, I, fully agree, I fully agree as a... <laughs> <laughs> as a as a, as a uh, gender as a gender queer sexually queer person i fully agree i fully 100 percent agree with that. <laughs> it's, it's just really dreamy and really nice and like nice in a way that like oh wow that's really that's so nice it's just like it's refreshing how nice he was and how thoughtful he was um yeah, so uh, I and I say this to someone like who I've had friends who are like if you ever meet Tom Hiddleston, let me know. Like, what is he like? Like, yeah, he's everything you want him to be. Like, I, he was he was absolutely lovely. So you know, that's that's the best. That's exactly you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, that being the end of the episode, and uh, that's time for me to then time for me to now give my thanks and my plugs. So first of all, Adam, I want to thank you for agreeing to come on the show and my pleasure, man. This beautiful conversation with me. It's my pleasure. You're the best. I know you are are the best. You're the best. (laughs) No, you're the best. You're the best. No, you. Adam, you're the best. No, you are, JD. You are. You are. I'm poking the camera. (laughs) Stop poking me in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we are wonderfully weird here. Uh, next, I want to thank. Uh, next, I want to thank you, the wonderful listeners, for listening to my dumb little show. It really warms my heart that you do. And if you're able to, whatever whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you're able to, please rate, review, subscribe. It helps the show show grow. It helps us reach more people and help possibly help more people read comics, which is all I want. I want more people to read comics. It's the best. Uh, next, I want to thank. The wonderful Dan Purcell, the friend of all pods, for crafting the beautiful theme that opens and closes every episode. Dan, you are just the goddamn best. I love you so much. Thank you for crafting the music. And everyone, go check out him. Go check him out on Twitter and Instagram at the Dan Purcell. Check out his original music. He's just the absolute best. Next, I want to thank the Certain POV Network for continuing to put up with my bullshit and letting me run rampant across the network and talk about comics. It's it's all it's all I want to do. And if you could, please check out CertainPOV.com and check out all the other wonderful shows we have. We've got Books That Burn. We've got uh, Another Pass. We've got Saturday Morning Confidential, The Real Movie Critic versus, versus The Cine Guy. I can't speak. Uh, 
that is not a show. That's just a de- that's just a declaration. Uh, we've got Let's Rewatch. Just so much over there. Everyone should check out. And if you could scroll down to that homepage, there's a permanent link to the Certain POV Discord. Come hang out with us. We talk comics and video games and movies all the time. Just come nerd out with us. It's really fun over here. And uh, last but not least, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ComicsQuestShow. There's also a link in the bio to my personal Discord uh, where you can come hang out with us, talk comics, talk shop, and uh, also come hang out with us and, and, you know, come check out uh, the new podcast that I have with my friend Angela Bones Bullock, Fables and Reflections, where we're talking everything by Neil Gaiman. Uh, So with all of that being said time to talk about what's coming up next so uh later this week on friday we've got episode nine of the long haul where i have alex lavelle back on we're continuing to indoctrinate people into our tom taylor cult yes we are talking the one and only suicide squad bad blood by tom taylor bruno redondo daniel sampare and adriano lucas and next week we have the penultimate episode of morrison quest and we're bringing in uh, not only co-host of Judging Book Covers, but also uh, Alex's Minds at Yerk co-host, Meg Griffin. And she's coming on to discuss Morrison and Gris, Chris Burnham's... Gris, where did that even come from? Uh, Cr- Morrison and Chris Burnham's miniseries, Nameless. So get ready for those. And as always, everyone, I love you. And remember, getting into comics may seem like an impossible journey, but every step is worth it. I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I'm the host of CPOV Autographs at CertainPOV.com. It is a bi-weekly interview series where I interview folks from all over the arts, from writers to comedians to magicians to musicians, even actors, historians, podcasters, pretty much anyone who's willing to chat with me for a little bit. If you like interesting conversations with even more interesting people, go to CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, music is life and life is good. CPOV CertainPOV.com